Welcome back to CMC Conversations. This is our second episode. In today's episode, we're having a conversation with two of the CMC trustees. And we're going to talk a little bit about what a trustee is, the history of the trustees in the CMC. We're going to talk about what they do for the conference. We're going to talk about how you become a trustee or how at least they became trustees. And finally, we're going to talk a little bit about why people give money in churches and how that is transitioned I think that we can sometimes approach the idea of being a trustee as being boring, doing the job that no one else wants to do. We might all agree that what the trustees do is very important and crucial to church ministry, but we don't always find it very exciting. Both of the men that I'm talking with today have a passion and a desire to do this type of work, this work that is behind the scenes, but gives stability for churches to function in the ways that they want to function. And the trustees, by doing their work with the budget, are able to give a foundation for this conference, a foundation that this conference can use to do ministry. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I had a lot of fun talking with these guys, learning about the passion that they have to do this sort of work. And I hope that this episode can help you understand what a trustee is a little better that you can understand that there is a, a passion and desire to do that job well. Before we get going, we'll just start with some introductions. So, gentlemen, why don't you just tell me who you are and the role that you have as a trustee, or maybe start with the role that you have in your own church, and then we'll get into the trustee stuff. I'm Jake, Jake Weeb, uh, and uh, farming here with my uh, wife and family. And uh, was elected in the in the Silverfelt Church uh, just down the road back in '97, uh, and we had been serving there as youth leaders for a number of years before that, and uh, got elected as uh, as a deacon. And uh, in 2000, got elected as a as a conference deacon, which uh, entailed a few other things. One of them being the chair of the board of trustees. Right, I'm uh, Dennis Friesen. I'm uh, deacon at the uh, Steinbeck. Uh, CMC Church. Uh, yeah, so I, I do uh, a lot of the finances and uh, uh, some of the leadership uh, part at the Stamic Church and uh, was uh, elected as a deacon in 2001 in Steinbeck and uh, have been a deacon since. Also uh, got elected as a trustee uh, around 2004 uh, uh, working on, with uh, Jake and, and some of the other guys. So we have five trustees on the board and uh, all from different churches. And Jake is our, uh, our chairperson. Hey, Dennis, uh, just quickly, you were first elected as a pastor and you turned that election down, right? Uh, no, I got elected first as a deacon. Okay. And then, uh, then a number of years later as a pastor, uh, but I did, I did uh, decide not to go into that. I didn't feel that was my calling. Okay, so that's interesting for me to know because you do feel called to this role, and yes, I, I think do. that's important. So last episode, then we had uh, this bishop and assistant bishop, and I should have probably had you there, Jake, uh, because you're part of the executive team, right? Yes, I am. It's a it's a it's a good team. It's good to work together and. Uh... And, 
yeah, we've uh, we've we've meshed well. I think uh, I think it's good to uh, to have those kind of uh, working relationships. Absolutely. Okay, so in my experience with trustees, I only really learned about a trustee because my mom was the janitor at our church back home, and so she needed a new vacuum. She goes to the trustees, says this one's terrible. It's not sucking like it should. And so then she's able to plead her case to get funding. And then the trustees went out and bought a new vacuum because it was necessary to the running of the church. And I know that you guys don't take care of vacuum cleaners for individual churches, but you do take care of the finances as far as I understand. But tell us what a trustee is. Well, the uh, the term trustee and the uh, and the job outline is is in our constitution. So the uh, the uh, the constitution defines the assignment of uh, responsibilities uh, to the board of trustees, and then the bylaws uh, give the job description of the uh, of the conference deacon as well as the board of trustees. The principles and practices uh, gives the process uh, for the conference deacon and the board of trustees in fulfilling their duties. So, uh, yes, they do revolve largely around finances, around uh, uh, the uh, the uh, assets or the estates of the of the church and uh, of the conference, and uh, and then it, it kind of morphs into more than that because. Uh, times have have really changed to where there's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, issues to be current with in terms of uh, the regulations that we need to be able to follow, be aware of. Uh, so, yeah, we're uh, the job is a little broader, has become broader over the over the, over a period of time. Dennis, do you want to add a little to that? Uh, no, I think Jake did a good job. I, and like I say, he's, he's been around longer than I have on, on this stuff. And so he, he knows quite a bit more about this than I do. You talked a little bit about how you became a trustee. You were elected as a deacon. And then who elected you to the board of trustees? Or how did that process happen? Yeah, so uh, at, uh, at the ministerial level, uh, uh, there's a... a I guess a recommendation or a, a vote uh, for for trustee, or there's an open position, and then uh, all deacons are eligible uh, for that uh, that position. And so I got elected by the by the conference ministerial onto the board of trustees. Uh, Jake, you want to take this time to talk a little bit about the history of the trustees? Well, so yeah, I mean, our our conference is is uh, one of the old uh, the old church conferences that came out. Uh, uh, back in the uh, in 1874, coming to Manitoba, and so uh, at the time we had, uh, as my as I understand it, one mother church. It was just one church. It was in uh, in Gordeets, which is now known as Randolph. Uh, the church was called the Gordeets uh, Church, and so that was the the main church. Uh, it's uh, currently a historic site, but. Uh, from there, because our people were primarily farming people, we had in the RM of Hanover, we had uh, quite a number of uh, small communities. And because travel was not uh, uh, as, as easy it is, as it is today, uh, so these communities weren't 
often that terribly far apart, but uh, every little community or a lot of communities had their own uh, church. So uh, at, when I came on board, there was no board of trustees. Uh, there had been one conference deacon. And, uh, and so coming on board and, and then uh, electing a board of trustees for me has been uh, really positive because the workload is, is shared with a board. It's not an individual's uh, personal way of thinking only. You can, you can test your, your, uh, your views on with, with other, with other uh, deacons as well. So I think it's been very positive. So definitely uh, that, that transition has been a positive thing. The other thing that drove uh, the transition, or the two things I think, uh, in my view, that drove the transition was that uh, record keeping for the government became a little bit more um, uh, formal. And, and, and uh, the other was the uh, uh, fact that we were transitioning to salaried staff. Uh, so early, early on, you know, with all of us be, being uh, lay, lay workers, uh, pastors uh, doing itinerant preaching, uh, there wasn't a lot of paperwork as far as government is concerned. I think the, the, the conference kept meticulous records for all kinds of things, you know, the, the, the births and the uh, the the, uh, the families involved, everything was was very meticulous. We still have a lot of those archives, um, but as as the government became more involved in terms of just uh, ensuring that we were doing what we say said we were doing, uh, we we were, you know, we were definitely moving down a path of of formality. Somehow you managed to walk through that process. So you were there when it, there was no board but a single individual you were that individual no i as i came on the oh, okay. the, the concept of, of a board was was uh, immediate as well okay so as the government rules became more complicated it became more and more necessary for a board to exist and then you joined as the board was formed with the form of the board and you were right away in charge of the whole thing. Well, I, <laughs> in charge might might have you know uh, we we had we had one uh, one gentleman that was a, a part of the uh, of the conference and and I think he'd been a part of forever. Like he he, Pastor Corny Martins, uh, he was a he was a, a role model and and you know he was he'd always he'd been there for so long and and I leaned on him a lot. Uh, questions about anything and he would say oh yeah I think those minutes are uh, there and there in the in the filing cabinet in the office and he would he would find them and so we didn't have we didn't have policies that had been formalized but he could remember the year and, and somewhere where the minutes were and, and uh, it seemed pretty formidable for me because I'll tell you it was a straight up learning curve. So uh, I'll direct this to Dennis can, do, would you be able to tell me was the like the main benefit of having trustees? Like personally, I know that you guys take care of so many things that I'm just thankful I don't have to do. But was the in your opinion was the main benefit uh, of your role? 
Well, I think, uh, uh, and, and like, like we said before, that the finances is a big part of our role. And, and so that entails uh, just what every aspect of the conference. And so when we're talking, uh, uh, you know, budgets, uh, uh, you know, writing up budgets and, and, and presenting them and, and uh, hoping to, uh, to meet those things, uh, that's, that's a big part. I think a benefit of the trustees being able to uh, uh, just to, to dedicate the time to those kinds of things. Uh, legal matters, any kind of legal matters uh, run through the trustee board. Um, when, when we uh, have, uh, uh, you know, some government, uh, if there were to be an audit or something, then, then it wouldn't be everybody having to produce something it would be through the trustee board, uh, making sure that that, they would uh, take take charge of that and 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 bring that information forward uh, to what's needed. And so, I just feel that there's uh, uh, there's a, a benefit in having people that are uh, gifted as well as interested in these matters to be on a board like this. Absolutely, I know. Like especially that legal stuff is over my head. Uh, Jake, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, you're right, and and so all of you know we're we're not actually uh, lawyers either, and and so uh, for us to be able to uh, to get a legal opinion, uh, I I've certainly grown up uh, uh, feeling freer to do that, uh, you know, where I'm at, yeah, and and so to 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 use uh, uh, resources to to get a proper legal opinion for the church for the conference. Uh, to me is is worth it and and we can we can move forward confidently just knowing that uh, this is the ground we stand on we're we're, we're doing the right thing here and uh, and so it's it's a, it's a benefit that way and, and I think that's that's been you know some of the some of the requirements that that came along while we were I think Dennis has been on the board during the same time but uh, for example, the, uh, as the, uh, the social media and the internet became more mainstream, uh, the government uh, indicated that we would have to have a privacy policy to protect you know, individuals in our, in our organization from you know, being exploited on, online. And, and so we had to develop a, a privacy policy. We did that uh, together with uh, Abundance Canada and uh, and one of the other conferences and, uh, you know, pastoral staff policy, safe place policy, just, just trying to get some, some things in place so that we have quick access. We don't have to look for the minutes. Uh, the policies are, are developed if they do get updated or changed, you know, we, we just, you know, change them and, and we, we have a quick, quick and easy access. So this brings us into some more of the specifics on how the trustees operate. Does every decision have to go through the board? Does every decision have to be voted on? Or are there certain decisions where you can say, uh, Dennis takes this one, the next guy takes that, and you just figure out that aspect? You know, when it comes to the finances in the conference, uh, after the budget has been passed, within, within those parameters, We've, we've got latitude to move. So there's, there isn't issues within that. Outside of that, then we make the decision as a, as a whole uh, board. And so uh, just, to, just to ensure that nobody's running ahead or, or uh, you know, doing things on their own. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, 
we, we as, a, as trustee board, we, uh, we write up a budget, uh, propose it to the conference ministerial at the ministerial convention. Uh, if it passes at the convention, it gets forwarded to all the churches. Uh, then each individual church uh, has a look at the budget and, uh, and, if, and, and it gets voted on there. And those votes uh, go to the delegates at the delegate meeting and the delegates uh, say whatever the church has asked them to say at, at the meeting. So the delegates have the final say on the budget. Once the budget gets passed there, then it goes to the, uh, the individual boards that have budgets and they use their budgets as deemed necessary. So I think that makes sense. So the budget is, like we talked about, is one of the main things that you guys discuss and decide on. And, and so you have a few meetings, you have a discussion, you look at the numbers and be like, that number has stayed the same every year. It's time it goes up or that number stayed the same. It's not going to go up because we won't need more than that amount. Uh, we'll go to this next question uh, about the sale of Callsback. And I don't want to get into too many of the unnecessary details, but uh, just as an example of how you guys operate as trustees, I, I know that that took a while to go through, but can you just walk us through some of the steps that help the trustees manage that sale? So what, what happened in Callsback and what has happened as uh, the churches and the, the different uh, ministry areas have evolved, uh, we've had uh, in various places in the conference, we've had uh, places where churches have been planted, uh, you know, 150 years ago or 100 years ago. Sometimes in this case, it was only it was only uh, 35 years ago. But but suddenly you find yourself in a place where where uh, we're not we're no longer effective in that area for whatever reason. Either we don't have enough people or or something's happened, and so you're faced with some uh, with some questions at that point. How do how do you stay viable? And so in this case, uh, the the small congregation that was left uh, in, in this location there in, in Winnipeg. Uh, they approached uh, they approached the conference and said they were uh, prepared to uh, to shut down and uh, and that we could take over in terms of uh, dissolving the assets. Uh, how the assets get dissolved again is defined in the constitution, and so we uh, we followed that process. We we in this process uh, the the executive. As a whole, was involved to ensure that uh, that the people that were left at Callsback would have a landing place, someplace that uh, that they would continue to be uh, worship, uh, feel at home, worshiping, and uh, and being taken care of. So, so that was that was happening, and then and then we began to look for for options. We uh, we had the church appraised and uh, uh, began to do some uh, some advertising to. To see if we could uh, uh, sell it, uh, we'd been approached uh, once, where even after uh, after there had been a verbal commitment, the uh, the deal went uh, went south, and so we had to start again. That uh, 
so, so there was some a fair bit of time involved with exactly that process because we thought we were already there. And, uh, and so the, uh, the second group that came along happened to be a, a, a group that had come here from, uh, uh, from a foreign country. And, uh, uh, and so we're looking for, they, they were being, uh, they were being uh, uh, helped along by a local, uh, another Mennonite church. And so, but they were looking for their own building, their own place to worship. Uh, they were a fairly large group already. And so uh, this was a, a perfect fit for them. And, and we were at the right place at the right time in, in terms of uh, looking to sell. So that was, uh, that was the process. And now uh, in this whole process, I mean, there was, there, was a, there was a ton of legal work to be done. Uh, we were dealing with the city of Winnipeg. We were dealing with, uh, there, there, was, there was some street improvements going on alongside that street. We were do, dealing with the uh, city of Winnipeg on, on those issues. Um, yeah, just uh, that one was, was good to get off of our plate. Uh, you know, I, as a board of trustees, we, we want to pave the way so that ministry in the church can continue and that we don't all get bogged down with, with those things. But and this one was uh, this one was uh, was a little onerous. We, we sometimes felt like it was uh, it was bogging all of us down. If I'm not mistaken, Jake, you kind of take on a lot of the individual little questions yourself. Yeah, I was uh, so so my time was a little bit more flexible on the farm. So so I would I would uh, meet with him when when I needed to and those kind of things. One one thing that uh, we should mention is is the. Uh, the fact that we are we are registered as a religious society, and as such, uh, even the selling of a property has to be approved by a judge. So, so we, you know, so the uh, the objectives of the of the sale. If if we were to want to give a, a good deal, if the if the property value valuation came in at a million dollars, for example, and we want to sell it for nine hundred thousand. Uh, we better have a reason for it because the judge will be looking for why, why are you giving uh, money that, has, that the government has not received taxes on to somebody, to, to another entity. So, so if that entity has the same objectives as ours, in this case it did, the, the group that purchased the, the church was, was another evangelical group. So that was, that was good. So, so being able to sell it a bit cheaper uh, to them uh, still met the criteria because the objectives from our evangelical group to theirs was, was uh, the same. So uh, definitely that, that, that's a fact. That's what the government's watching for. Uh, you know, we're, we have to be careful that we aren't seen as an in-house uh, club, we're we're not just sponsoring each other in our in our group. We we are actually uh, a church that that's objectives is to uh, is to help the community around us uh, to find Christ. Uh, in, and in the process, we're we're helping them uh, uh, physically, uh, emotionally as we can, and and so we we do those kind of things and and then spiritually. So. So they, and they're not opposed to those things. They just want to make sure that that's what we're doing. So it's for that reason 
that we we don't give our own members uh, special rates when we when our members want to rent a building uh, for a wedding or uh, those kind of things we they don't get a special rate they get the same rate as as anybody else and uh, you know we're we're just we're just following our our what we say we were going to do as a church right if you put protocols in place you have to follow them and if you define yourself especially with the government you define yourself a certain way you have to maintain that definition yeah so uh, like jake was saying you know there's there's a lot of work and a lot of legal work uh meetings uh different things so we drove out to winnipeg a few times to meet with potential purchasers uh, especially when they have had already given interest and and so again yeah you're just uh, it's, it's a lot of legwork uh and jake did Jake did most of that because he was, like you said, he had the uh, the uh, the time. You don't need all the trustees there. Uh, no, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, a good process for me to go through anyway. Uh, just getting some of that experience and, and seeing how how this uh, this works. Uh, again, it's uh, it was a, it was a lengthy process, you know. And so some of these different responsibilities get divvied out up including with a bigger project driving out to meet a lawyer or the potential buyer yeah um, when there's when there's uh, when there's guys with different schedules and different work different types of work it doesn't always make it so not everybody can make it so then uh, you, the guys that can make it uh, uh, do uh, do the best that they can and and uh, so if you can have you know half or a little over half of the, the board there at one place that that's always good it's best if all of them are there, but that doesn't always work out. Right. I think that's the, that's a common theme in this conference. Anyways, is uh, people just trying to do the best they can. We all have different schedules and most of us aren't full-time. Like this isn't a full-time job. It's evenings, weekends. Uh, I know you guys both work full-time. That being said, we have a delegate meeting coming up at least while we're filming this delegate meeting is about a week away. Can, can you guys just walk, walk me through how you prepare for, for that? Yeah. As, as an executive, there's a, there's a few, uh, there's a few items that will be voted on that are of, of a broader scope. They, they are, there's some uh, changes happening in the, uh, in the, in the constitution that are being proposed. So, uh, so that's a broader scope. Uh, our part will, would oversee the, uh, the radio board, the board of missions, and the home missions. And so while we are directly involved with the uh, home missions uh, component, the, the, the bigger picture of, of the radio and uh, the radio board and the uh, foreign missions is, is also part of our, our oversight. So, so we definitely look at that. And then uh, even as the, uh, in preparation, we, we will have been asking the local churches to send their financial statements uh, into uh, uh, to the conference office, and then it would get forwarded to uh, uh, from there to our accountant, who uh, prepares a consolidated financial statement uh, for the delegate meeting. Dennis, you're usually the one that gets suckered into presenting the budget, right? <laughs> yeah, Jake. Jake seems to want to uh, twist somebody's arm. Usually, he's he's usually got an excuse. I'm going to do this, so somebody else has to do that. So. Yeah, so well, I've done it. Uh, Leonard has done it. Uh, Earl has done done it as well, and and uh, so uh, 
this year we have a, a new trustee, a Darren uh, from Fort St. John. So maybe we could get Darren to do it. He's never done it before. So it might be, uh, might be a good place to start. <laughs> do you have a specific role, Dennis, in preparing for the delegate meeting? Beforehand, uh, Jake will uh, send out an email or a text or something and ask, you know, uh, who would volunteer to, to present certain things. Uh, Jake will be doing the, uh, the trustee report and, and, and some of those things. And so some of us get to do some of the other things. I think it's good that we we all take a part in it. That way, our faces get out there and, and people know who the trustees are, and uh, and then they can say, "Oh, I need to maybe contact this guy or that guy," uh, instead of everybody uh, calling Jake and Jake being overwhelmed. I just have one last question for you guys. It's going to come across maybe slightly offensive, and I don't mean it to be. Just as an example, I like to bake, and I like to be creative when I bake something but I don't like to wash the dishes afterwards. Often when I think about what you guys do, I think it's like washing the dishes. It's like cleaning the house. It's, it's all these things that people can't necessarily see. But when you host people into the churches, when you have people come into your home and things are cleaned up and taken care of and that wall doesn't have mold on it and the, the dishes are fresh out of the dishwasher and, and everyone can function normally. A lot of people don't think about those things, but they have to get done. And I think that's, that's budget planning. That's preparing for, for church buildings. That's like, that's all the behind the scenes stuff that you guys take care of. How do you stay motivated doing a, a thankless job? Uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, uh, I like, I like behind the scenes. That's, that's who I am. And that's, that's what I do. And, and, uh, that's, uh, I, I'm okay with that. It's, uh, it's, I, I enjoy seeing things working smoothly and working well. I'm a, a, a ducks in a row kind of guy. Uh, so I like to plan ahead and, and, and have those things done. And so this, this job as a trustee helps me do those kinds of things. And, and so, yeah, that's that's my motivation. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I will have to say it, it has, has not been thankless entirely. Uh, there, there's been individuals that are that appreciate what you just described there, Alex. I, 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 I you're absolutely right. You know, when it's clean, when everything's in order, you know, it just makes ministry better. You know, you, you invite somebody into your home for, for hosting and, and, you know, the, uh, the atmosphere is, is, is right. And, and, you know, it, it all sets the stage for, uh, for conversation, for things to happen. And, and by that, I don't mean that, that those things don't, can't happen otherwise either, because the Lord does miracles, however and wherever. But, but I think when we do our part uh, to, to kind of clean up in advance of and, and prepare the way, it's it's huge. And, and, and that kind of just reminds me of uh, something that I learned in this process uh, a number of years ago. And and uh, it, I, I was reading a book uh, uh, called uh, Not Your Parents' Offering Plate by J. J. Cliff Christopher. And He's, he's referring to something that's changed over time. I mentioned earlier that we were at church or a conference in transition. 
And, and so he's referring to how uh, people used to donate, uh, you know, their offering to the church because they are the church and that's just what you do. And it was their act of worship. You didn't have to be uh, coerced. You, you just, this was just what was expected. This is what you did. Uh, today, people are more informed. They know that there's good ministry happening, you know, over here, over there. There's people lobbying for that, that uh, don donation dollar. And so as churches, if we're completely silent and we just assume people will, will worship with their offerings, then they will. And they want to be generous. But, but the two things that I learned as I was reading this book is, is the, the act of generosity and, and, where, and, the, and the motivation behind that act of generosity. And so the author of the book is, is talking about understanding why people give, why people give generously. And, and I remember as a deacon in the local church, we, we sometimes wondered when we were struggling perhaps with a, with our with our local budget we weren't meeting the budget and we're, we're not sure why but people weren't weren't meeting uh, you know uh, you know they, they were often very generous but sometimes they we were lagging behind and we'd have a speaker come in and uh, and he would walk out with an offering that was you know two or three times higher than what we were short from the same group of people we said well what happened here like what are we missing here that the money seems to be out there and people want, they have a heart to give. And so the, the author is, is saying that, that understanding why people give is so important. And this is one of the things that we've learned as a board of trustees that it's, you know, even the job is, isn't just to manage the, the money that comes in, but uh, if we can be of, of, of help by understanding why, uh, that's huge. And so, so the thing that, that uh, the author here is identifying is that people who have a belief in the mission of the institution or of the charity, they, they believe in the mission and they have a high regard for the leadership and they, and, and they have a high regard for the fiscal responsibility of the leadership, then they will give. And then they're motivated to give. And so uh, that, that whole idea of generosity and, and feeling the generosity is, has been amazing. And, and just understanding some of these concepts, we said, if we can share that with the other churches, uh, uh, that's, that's huge. And, uh, and so that's been, a, that's been an exciting uh, highlight for me, learning that process myself and then being able to share it with others. Yeah, I think... That is huge. I, I think that's a, the also, it's a very similar motivation for even sharing the gospel or sharing uh, invitation to come into church. Uh, people that are outside the church aren't looking up the best website or the most entertaining service, or they aren't looking up those things. They're listening to their coworker who who talks to them they're listening to their friends and the people that enjoy being at church will tell people about being at church if and, and so if 
that lines up with what you're saying. If people believe in the cause, they're going to give. If, if people believe that the leadership have a good vision and, and if they believe that the leaders are going to handle that money well, then they'll continue to give to that cause. Would you have suggestions on how to, how to strengthen that cause or how to strengthen that vision in churches that people can grasp? When, when we can tell the good news story, you know, when, 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 uh, when we can tell on behalf of us or, or invite a Sunday school teacher to tell the good news, you know, you know, we hear things in the hallways of this, of the church building sometimes, Hey, you know what happened in Sunday school today? Uh, you know, little Johnny, this is what he told me. This is what he, what he told me happened at home. That he'll, they'll have a story. We got to share those stories. And, and those stories tell us that God is at work. This isn't about building a new church. It's not about a bigger program. It's about God being at work. And, and we get to tell the story. You know, we, we get to watch the story. And uh, God has blessed us to be part of it. And then, lo and behold, we get to share it with others. And uh, what people people just come on side and, and they want to they just want to participate and, and help along. Businesses uh, uh, often say is if they don't communicate uh, their business, whether it's in advertising or whether it's uh, from one department to the next, that business doesn't do well. And uh, that is for us as well. We need to communicate better in all aspects whether we're uh, sharing the gospel, whether we're communicating uh, a need from one department to the next department or, or from one committee to another committee or uh, from uh, some person that's in, in the pews to the leadership, uh, there's, there's gotta be good communication back and forth and in order for uh, this uh, thing that we call a church uh, to work. And uh, when we do that as trustees communicating our needs or, or the, uh, the things that are going on, or whether it is uh, the executive or the pastors or somebody else communicating these things, uh, people get excited about uh, what's happening and, and, uh, and things go on. So if I understand correctly, you, you guys are saying that we need to share more personal stories, like make the gospel more personal. And, and Dennis, you're saying share that clearly and not just the stories but the concerns yes so so one of the things i mentioned earlier is about a privacy policy that we have and and so so in in all of this you know as you as you uh we have to make sure that the people that we're talking about are okay with us telling their story if if they are i mean it's great if they can tell their story themselves Mm -hmm. But, but in other cases, you know, we can be the, the messenger. We can talk about them as, as, as they allow us. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I just think of one story when, when we were still youth leaders and, and this one young uh, boy kept coming to youth. He would ask for prayer for his dad every single Friday. Pray for my dad. Pray that he'll get saved. Pray for my dad. And uh, that young boy is currently a pastor in BC and he baptized his dad a year ago and he officiated at his dad's funeral during this last year. 
And uh, we praise the Lord for that. Amen. Yeah, that's a, just hearing that story. That's so much more powerful than the the theories and the the hypotheticals out out there. Like that's just that actually affects the heart. Well, thank you guys so much. You guys clearly have a a unique passion for for this sort of work. And I'm extremely thankful for both of you and for the whole board of trustees. Uh, I don't know what, what we'd do without you. Well, we wouldn't be a charitable organization. Uh, we would be a lot more flustered and busy with, with all the work that you guys take care of. Uh, so thank you guys so much for, for everything you do.